Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It's Friday, January 1st, 2021. Goodbye, 2020. We'll hate you forever. Hello, 2021. Please don't let us down either way. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. Happy New Year, dead leg. How you feeling in 2021? Can your, can your New Year's resolution be just to not call me dead leg? Can that no, be zero percent chance of that? Zero percent chance. Okay. Zero percent chance. The de- but the of leg that. isn't dead anymore. Like I don't call you dead arm, even though you can't work a, a sledgehammer. I will call you dead leg at least until Drake loses a basketball game, and probably. Okay, probably, that's a deal. <laughs> you got yourself a deal, by probably, friend. And probably, but but then I, I, you, you you misheard what I said. I said I'm going to call you that until at least until. Uh, Drake loses a basketball game. I never promised to stop after when Drake loses a basketball game. It's just that we'll tie it to Drake. I don't know if you realize this. First university, United States history ever named after a hip-hop artist. Yeah, I think you've mentioned that once or twice. You doing okay here morning after? We got we early, you know, early afternoon as as scheduled here. You make it through the uh the New Year's festivities okay? Unscathed? I did, I, I, well, yeah, uh, yeah, everything's good. But um, it's just been raining here for like two, three days off and on. So when we last spoke, my plan was to get up on Thursday morning, go play 18 hole. That was no no shot at that. No it, shot. Just raining. It, just, it would have been miserable. I think the course was actually closed. So didn't get to do that, but we got fireworks, and we did do the fire pit, and we did s'mores and hot dogs on the fire pit and then we shot some fireworks then it started raining we had to come inside and then uh me and my boys we played uh we played catch in the house for a little while mm. um we're getting, we're getting ready for baseball season we set out baseball season last summer because of the pandemic obviously uh we're hoping to be able to play return to baseball so we're trying to play catch as much as possible so we played catch and then uh i had basketball on watched USC Colorado and then it was happy new year and everybody in my house was asleep. And then I went to bed about one and then my four year old uh, woke me up at three 30 cause he wanted chocolate milk. And so mm. I, we didn't go back to sleep, but got back up. I'm a little tired, but it's okay. It's new year's day. I can probably, I can almost if, certainly get a nap in at some point. Well, I'm, I'm going to try and mix in a nap here. Although my wife probably won't let me, but uh, my kids are just absolutely out of their minds this morning, but eh, is, is what it is. Comes with the territory here. All right. What do you want to lead off with here? Uh, as we head into the weekend, consider this mm. the first trivia time okay. of 2021. <laughs> are you ready? I'm actually not. Go ahead. I have no there, idea what's coming. Go ahead. The, there are currently only two schools mm-hmm. with undefeated records and at least four wins over top 100 Kempom teams. Good question. One of them is obviously Gonzaga. Can you name the other? Wisconsin. Wisconsin's lost twice. Oh, undefeated. <laughs> We're off <laughs> to an amazing about? start. <laughs> off to just an, un, an incredible start. Um... 
Tennessee is my first guess because I figure you might want to talk about something that happened recently. So is Tennessee the other answer? We will get to Tennessee eventually. Tennessee is not the right answer. They do not have at least four top 100 Ken Palm wins. Is Michigan the other team? That's it. Michigan is 8-0 with wins over number 41, Maryland, number 49, Penn State, number 90, Toledo, and number 94, UCF. I bring it up because they pounded Maryland on Thursday night, win by double digits on the road, and they're now 8th in offensive efficiency, 30th in defensive efficiency, shooting 62.6% from two. Just a really, really good basketball team. I've moved them up to number 11 in the, the top 25 and one, uh, they still don't have that big signature win that resonates throughout the sport, but they have put together a quality resume again, undefeated with four top 100 Ken Palm wins at this moment. Only two schools can say that they own those two things. It is, it is the Zags and it's Juwan Howard's Wolverines. Yeah, but I'm going to, I'm going to stick with my first answer. First answer, Wisconsin <laughs> It is not no. Wisconsin. They have lost um, a couple of times. By the way, Michigan was my highest-ranked team in the power rankings earlier this week prior to its win on New Year's Eve against Maryland. Did watch a majority of that game, and Michigan looks tremendous. Hunter Dickinson is... This is one... I'm pat myself on the back here real quick. This is one I had nailed before before the season started. I thought Hunter Dickinson was going to wind up as a top 10 freshman in America this season, informed by a couple of things. One, he was awesome as a recruit, uh, and he was, you know, he was a highly lauded, like, blue trip kind of recruit, but he wasn't, by the time, you know, he finished his high school career, he wasn't in that top 10 range, uh, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure you saw him right alongside me uh, in some of the games that he played uh, on the summer circuit, and he was great. And knowing what Michigan lost from a season ago and how I expected him to be used, you know, I, I didn't think he'd be the team's best player. He's been the team's best player. I thought it would be Isaiah Livers and Franz Wagner and then Dickinson three. Dickinson's been awesome. So uh, certainly a shout to him, and he has been able to step in, you know, as a seven-foot, seven-foot-one kind of guy and just be a problem for opposing teams. Um, if you listen to the podcast now, you're in on him early. He could be one of those players that once college basketball is more, you know, generally talked about, the games are more prominent, the NFL season's over, college football season's over, uh, you might start to hear a little bit more, see a little bit more buzz about Hunter Dickinson. But yes, Michigan uh, is right there at the top of the league right now. Whether you want to argue, is it Michigan, Wisconsin, Illinois, Obviously, Rutgers and Northwestern, uh, Iowa. Who's the best team in the Big Ten? Nobody knows. But right now, Michigan is the only one in the entire league that can say it's played and not taken a loss. And it's done that uh, with eight games under its belt. So very impressive right now and sitting at the top of the league. Yeah, three and zero in the Big Ten alone atop the the Big Ten standings. And Dickinson, you know, against Maryland. Uh, he was 10 of 11 from the field, 26 points, 11 rebounds. He went to high school three miles from the Maryland campus. So this was a go-back-home performance for him, and he obviously uh, was terrific. His effective field goal percentage on the season now is 72.6. That's top 20 in the country, and he's averaging a team-high 16.6 points, 8.8 rebounds per game. Like you said, he's just been terrific. And his coach, like, we spent a lot of time um, – you know, talking about the the guys who were back coaching at their alma maters, it, probably mostly Penny Hardaway for a lot of different reasons, but also Patrick Ewick in, in Georgetown. For Patrick, it, it hasn't gone smoothly. For Penny, it's been, you know, some ups and some downs. Juwan Howard's been terrific. You know, he's 
Uh, Michigan, in his first season last season, finished 16th at Ken Palm. This season, they're 11th at Ken Palm right now. He's currently got the nation's top-ranked recruiting class yeah. in 2021. It's a six-player class. All six players ranked in the top 150. There's two five-stars in that class. And so I don't know. Let me just stop here. What do you make of that? Like for Penny Hardaway, there's been some ups, undeniable ups, and some undeniable downs, and things aren't going well this season. For Patrick Ewing, more downs than ups. You know, we could go through the history of this. Clyde Drexler at Houston, uh, uh, Chris Mullen at St. John's, Fred Hoiberg at Iowa State is obviously a great example in a positive way. What do you make of Jawan Howard being off to this kind of start at his alma mater? Does it surprise you at all? Uh, to a certain extent, but here's the context I'd throw into it. So last season, they they get off to a great start and really were one of the two or three biggest stories in the sport in the first month because they went to the Battle for Atlantis and won that tournament and did so uh, by beating North Carolina before we knew North Carolina was going to be bad and obviously a really good Gonzaga team and also mixing a win over Creighton. Started 7-0. and That team also had really important seniors, John Teske, Xavier Simpson, um, Austin Davis, that were involved in that. And I think that was a, I think that was an important thing in addition to having generally talented players that were brought in by John Beeline. Now, to be fair, like they did end... Uh, ranked high, and they would have made the tournament. There's no doubt about it. They went 500 in Big Ten play a season ago, obviously the best league in America and a very, very good Big Ten that would have sent, you know, nine or ten teams to the tournament. Um, but things leveled out a bit after the hot start. Still did a good job, finished 19-12, and 12, and it was certainly a successful first season. I would say Michigan fans had to be pleased. You know, at the end of it, no tournament. You look back, 19-12, and 12, you go 10-10 and 10 in the league with some good non-conference wins. That's been good. Then... You get into the second season this season, and again, they have not, they've yet to play an elite opponent, but they have played good ones, and they've won two straight road games. They've come against Nebraska, they've come against Maryland, which is 41st in Ken Palm. The other victims include like UCF, Toledo, Oakland, Bowling Green. So they have not hit like the tough, tough part of the schedule, and they still won't for a bit, to be honest. Like Michigan's actually set up, if it can continue this, to be 11 0. Northwestern, Minnesota, the next two, they're at home, and then it's at Penn State. They could drop one of those, certainly. But if they don't, I won't be surprised, and they'll be 11-0 heading into a big home game against Wisconsin in 11 days. This season, you bring in a very talented Hunter Dickinson. Sean D. Brown, I thought, was underutilized and didn't reach his potential at Wake Forest. He has been a wonderful addition, just a, a, a great example of a, of a power conference program bringing in a power conference player who is ready to just step onto the stage and contribute. He has been that. In addition, you get valuable people back Isaiah Livers Eli Brooks those guys have been big so I think it's been a combination of that um and whereas you know I don't need to ramble on about the other coaches they just haven't had uh as much success as Juwan Howard has had through let's call it one and a one and a third season so far yeah, in fairness to you know everybody, Jawan did inherit a pretty good situation at Michigan. Like he was set up to be good, but he, but like that doesn't mean he will be good, and mm-hmm. he has been good, and he he seems to be on track to maintaining it, if not improving it. Again, number one recruiting class in America in 2021 at this moment with two five-star prospects. It is possible he would be just, you know, a, a, a good or great college basketball coach no matter what, but it's hard not to notice two things. One he did spend six seasons working for Eric Spolstra in Miami. And two, when he got the job, he went out and hired Phil Martelli. Like, of all these other guys, Penny, Patrick, you name them, the guys who are entering college basketball in a non-traditional way, college basketball coaching, 
I don't know that anybody had the background of coaching with a future Hall of Famer mm-hmm. for the amount of years Juwan did. Like he was on that bench with one of the best in the world. And then I don't know that anybody hired a former college head coach as accomplished as Phil Martelli. Like Juwan, again, perhaps Juwan would be great no matter what, but it, those two things stand out to me. He he has a, a background of being around a future Hall of Famer and he went out and hired somebody who is incredibly accomplished at the uh, at the Division One level in Phil Martelli, and you know the byproduct is is Michigan has got one of the best programs in America right now, and it appears one of the best teams. Next four games for them, by the way, Northwestern and Minnesota at home, then Penn State on the road, and then a big one, Wisconsin at home on January twelfth. So you're right; they haven't hit the tough part of their schedule yet. But if you play in the Big Ten, eventually that's coming. Either way, they look the part, and the resume right now is literally as good as it could possibly be. Let's move on. Tennessee throttled Missouri on the road Wednesday night. The Vols looked awesome. We're going to get into that next. But first, check this out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So Tennessee absolutely destroyed Missouri on the road Wednesday night. The final score was 73-53. So that's a 20-point win over a team that had previously beaten Illinois. When I tried to get you to pick Tennessee to win the SEC in the preseason, do you regret at all on any level not listening to me? Um, no, I'm good with it. You should regret it. <laughs> I'm, good. I'm good with it. I, I can admit when I was wrong. Like, yeah, I, I missed this one. Tennessee looks absurd right now um that was you know first of all that was an sec network game not sec network alternative just you know our alternate channel whatever the hell it is that was just a good old sec network game and it was not close tough spot for kim english by the way vols assistant going back to the old alma mater and just wrecking wrecking the tigers like uh like you know tennessee was norfolk state or something brutal um second best defensive team in america right now has wins that was the first road game for Tennessee. Has wins over Colorado, iffy Cincinnati, and then at Missouri, by far the best here. Uh, to me, to me, it was more about Mizzou kind of falling, falling flat in its face here. SEC needs better wins than this, and it's basically running out of its chances. It's obviously going to have the Big 12 series at the end of January. Uh, but Missouri, 
had, had some good wins, Illinois, Oregon, and then just was not ready to play at all. Tennessee is extremely impressive, and um, Rick Barnes has it, – it's kind of wild to say this because he has had a couple of really good teams, inclu- like two teams that were capable of making to the making it to the Final Four, even though they didn't in 2018 and 2019. Last season was a down season. This group, it, it really could be his best team. They are so – when you watch them defensively, they are a team that is almost as fun to watch play defense as like Gonzaga is fun to watch play offense. And that's because they've got incredible discipline, but amazing athletes as well. You know, it starts with Eve's Ponds, but, you know, Keon Johnson has been has been wonderful. Josiah Jordan James, uh, terrific as well. And it's it's all paying off. And the roster, I think, is even more loaded than people realize because like even a player like EJ Anasicki, who's not getting a ton of minutes, he's a grad transfer from Sacred Heart. Like EJ Anasicki would be the best player in the NEC this season if he didn't transfer out. But he went. He wanted to go play at Tennessee, where his older sister played for Pat Summit once upon a win. And there's just no other roster here in the SEC that can compete with the Vols. You were right. You're gonna be right. Um, could there be some interesting competition? Maybe from Florida, maybe from LSU. Arkansas got uh, a win on the road on Wednesday uh, night against Auburn, which is certainly impressive by double digits. Yes, all those teams I think can give uh, Tennessee some some interesting competition, and someone's going to pick off the Vols. But it does seem like there is a serious tier of separation this season between the Tennessee Volunteers and the rest of the conference. And I think that's this might be... If not the first time, the first time in a long time where that is the case. The Bruce Pearl team that was really, really good, I went back and looked. They were they were a tier above the rest of the league, too. Um, but I think this might the gap might even be bigger this season between Tennessee and the rest of the league. We'll have to wait and see on Florida, Arkansas, and LSU. You know, when I picked Tennessee to win the SEC in the preseason. And I, I should make it clear. It's not like I was out on some limb. Like Tennessee was the just a minor disagreement between Norlander and I. Tennessee was the, the preseason favorite in the SEC. But what I based it on was, you know, three things. There were three reasons. Why why are you picking Tennessee to win the SEC? They went nine and nine last season. Okay, here's why. Um, a, they've got a great and accomplished coach in Rick Barnes, like somebody who's done it before. B, they've got players, experienced veterans who have already produced at the high major level. That is important. And C, they've got legitimate NBA talent. Those were the three reasons. Every time I talked about Tennessee, hey, you want to come on Nashville, talk about uh, the Vols? Sure. So why do you think Tennessee is going to be good? A, B, and C. I just laid it out. Now let's look up. Where are we at? You know, Rick's got this team operating like one of the very best defensive teams in America. Um, The leading scorer is Victor Bailey, a fourth-year junior. The leading rebounder is John Fulkerson, a fifth-year senior and former member of Traveling Wilburys. And Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer are both five-star high school prospects who are now projected one-and-done first-round NBA draft picks. And they're coming off the bench. (laughs) Tennessee's got two projected first-round picks coming off the bench. So I don't know that they'll finish the season like that. It's possible one of those freshmen, if not both, end up in the starting lineup at some point. But Tennessee is undefeated, rocking and rolling with veterans in the starting lineup and two five-star freshmen coming off the bench. They're guarding like crazy. 
you know, this is a school that's never been to a Final Four. Like, I don't know if most people understand that because they've had some really good teams over the years. Tennessee has never been to a Final Four in men's basketball. They got a chance to do it this season, undeniably. The team looks the part. Next game is Saturday at home against Alabama. That will be interesting just in terms of Bama 6-3. and three. We'll see how good it is or isn't, but Bama loves to shoot the three and take it often. They're just not a good three-point shooting team. Will that Bama team eventually even get a hot game? And uh, it would really, it could really use one against the Vols, but I don't, uh, I don't like the chances there. And then on Wednesday, we'll, we'll preview this on the Wednesday pod, but um, Tennessee and Arkansas are scheduled to meet, and those, that could be a matchup of undefeateds, so we'll wait and see on that. But... Uh, yeah, certainly a bright spot. The SEC's got some solid teams. It's just lost. You know, Tennessee's almost been an exception here. Arkansas didn't play a good non-conference schedule. It didn't get a lot of high-quality wins, and so it looks like the Vols will be carrying the flag for the conference this season. A bit of roster news in college basketball on Friday morning. Oscar Chibwe, it was first announced by the school, West Virginia, that he was stepping away from the program for, quote, personal reasons. And that implied, at least to me, okay, he'll be gone for a week or two or whatever. But Bob Huggins subsequently asked by reporters, is there any opportunity for Oscar Shibway to return to West Virginia this season? And he quickly answered, no. So that means he's done. And this is somebody who was not off to a great start this season, at least relative to what he was last season when he averaged – 11.2 points and 9.3 rebounds. His numbers were down across the board this season, was only averaging 19.9 minutes per game, averaging 8.5 points, 7.8 rebounds. So, again, numbers down, including uh, field goal percentage and free throw percentage. But he was still an important piece to a West Virginia team that, you know, is competing for a Big 12 title, Final Four, maybe a national championship. To lose him, uh, you know, is obviously not a great thing. Yeah, this is significant in my opinion. This uh, this landed on Friday morning, and I'm going to pass along another quote from a local reporter, uh, Angelica Trinoni. I hope I have Angelica's last name pronounced correctly there. Um, Huggins said this morning, did it catch me by surprise? No. What are we going to do moving forward? Win more games, and then a blunt, quick no when it was asked if there was any, as you mentioned, uh, any chance he would return this season. She was the Mountaineer's best player last season. Now, he hasn't been that this season. His numbers are down um, 8.5 points, 7.8 boards down from 11 uh, and 9 a season ago, and he was really one of the more efficient freshmen in the nation. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I checked in on just West Virginia stats about a week ago. was kind of looking at them. I think this was in advance, so maybe a little more than a week ago, right when they were getting ready to play Kansas. And I had noticed that Derek Culver has made uh, definitely a big jump. He's, he's a much better player this season than he was last season. Deuce McBride continues to uh, to to ascend. And Shibway, for whatever reason, he just has not been as effective. And we'll, we'll have to wait and see on all of that. But I do think that this is significant. Now, maybe, hey, maybe the, who knows what was happening with with Shibwe that, you know, that he needed to do this and maybe the locker room, for whatever reason, the guys will rally and it'll be better. Maybe that's the case, but in my opinion, this actually, uh, I think he, he is as important of a player, even though he wasn't producing as much. This actually, for me, this eliminates West Virginia from the Big 12 championship conversation. I don't think that they can keep up with Baylor and Kansas because of this, and there's too many good teams in the league otherwise. So, yeah, sure, they can still make the tournament. They'll still probably be a really good team, but... 
he is an important part uh, or was an important part of that team, and he's done for the rest of the season. And who knows, on Saturday or Monday or next week, whenever um, uh, Jeff Borzello might tweet that he's now in the transfer portal. I don't know what to expect next, but without him, I think it is damaging enough where you mentioned West Virginia like wanting to make a Final Four. This, to me, is big enough. That is that is a legitimate departure there where it, it fractures their overall production as a team. You ready to get to the Final Four in one? Of course I am. Uh, can, you you update, want, can you update us on the record? Of course I can. We both went two and three last week. We are both eight and eight this season. So I'll even Steven heading into 2021, which is exactly exactly what I, what I wanted to be here. So, yes, Final Four in one. We have a... It's a loaded, loaded, loaded Saturday of college basketball. Goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. It is not even close. We've had some decent days so far this season. Saturday is just jam-packed. So I'm interested to see what games you give me. Here we go. I, I act, It's not often where I go, I can't believe I have to leave this game off of the list. But I did reach a point because we're picking, uh, I pick four games from Saturday and Sunday. Norlander gets the A and one, five games total. And we give you picks that will, you know, either win or lose. Who knows? We, we don't pretend that we're great at this. We just pre- use it as Norlander is accurately labeled. It was just a device to talk about games. Uh, and then we give you picks because we, we've been told people like picks. So we'll just give you picks. But um, I had to leave good games off, but I did select four and we will do them in chronological order. Saturday, noon Eastern, number eight, Texas at number three, Kansas inside TJ Gasnola Fieldhouse, Kansas minus three. You can watch it on ESPN two. I'm going to get nuts right off the bat here. I'm going to take Texas straight up, get a road win, steal it, and give us a, a notable headline nice and early on Saturday. Um, this is top three game of the weekend. I mean, two top 10 Ken Palm teams. Texas is 7-1. and one. Its only loss was in a competitive, entertaining game uh, almost a month ago at home against a really good Villanova team. Texas has defeated the likes of Indiana, North Carolina, and Oklahoma State. Kansas, we all know the deal here at this point. Eight and one. Its only loss has come against Gonzaga, and it's been uh, extremely impressive as of late with wins over Creighton, Texas Tech, and then West Virginia. If Kansas wins this game by 14 points, I'm not going to be surprised, but I like to have a little bit of fun here, and I do think that Texas has... I How about this? Kansas is a better team right now. They have the home court advantage, um, but I'm feeling I'm feeling frisky, and uh, overall, I think Texas has more talent. So, you know what? I'm going to bank on them having a good day, the talent coming through, and they win a, a very, very close one along the lines of, you know, give me like Texas, like something like 66-64. That's disrespectful to Bill Self. Uh, you know what? You're, you're damn right it is, and I'm leaning into it. I'm steering right into it here. Uh, you... you, you... This you mentioned the talent, and I don't know who's more talented, Texas or Kansas. I'll let other people. Well, I just that told out. I just told you so. Okay, okay. I'll let I'll let, I'll let Norlander figure it out, and he already <laughs> did. He says Texas is more talented, but on a recent podcast, I couldn't begin to remember which one. Um, I mentioned that of of the Hall of Fame coaches at Blue Blood programs. So we're talking Roy, Cal, K, Bill. Um, future Hall of Famer Mick Cronin at UCLA. Like most of these coaches, they don't build national championship contenders the way Bill does. Like he he will get a Joel Embiid and Andrew Wiggins, but sort of the point I made on the fly was it feels like he turns Christian Brown type players into relevant players way more often than 
John Calipari does that at Kentucky way more often than Mike Krzyzewski does that at Duke, perhaps out of necessity because he doesn't recruit at the consistently at the level that, that Duke and Kentucky recruits. But either way, I went and looked it all up. KU's starting lineup right now, it, it doubles as their top five scores, same five players. It's Ochai Jalen Wilson, Christian Brown, David McCormick, Marcus Garrett. Abaji was ranked 132nd in the class of 2018. Jalen Wilson was 53rd in the class of 2019. Christian Brown was 130th in the class of 2019. David McCormick, 36th in the class of 2018. Marcus Garrett, 55th in the class of 2017. That's the starters. Those are the top five scores. It's zero top 30 prospects in the starting lineup, four sub 50 prospects in the starting lineup, two of whom are sub 100 prospects. The other blue bloods, they don't build monster teams like that. Only Bill Self does that. That's pretty, it's it's an impressive thing to build a consistent top shelf to to run a consistently A-level program, consistently competing, if not winning league titles and and advancing in the tournament with rosters that often feature players that don't even get recruited at places like Duke and Kentucky. So you're taking Kansas by 12 or 22 points then? Kansas by 50. 50? No, but I will lay the, if it's minus three, I will lay three. You know, Kansas, I've got them ranked higher. They're higher in the computers. They're inside Allen Fieldhouse, which doubles as TJ Gasnola Fieldhouse. Um, I, yeah, I take Kansas minus the three, like, I mean, I, I'll probably be wrong, but 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 that, I, I can't I I can't take a lower ranked team on the road when we're talking about a one possession spread. At least you know that's what we're operating with as of today. The actual number, you know, in the sport books hasn't been posted yet. It never is on Friday morning for Saturday games. But if we're basing it off Ken Palm and it's Kansas minus three, yeah, I'm gonna take Kansas minus three. Saturday noon Eastern, number twelve Missouri at Arkansas inside Alex Dillard Arena, Arkansas minus four. You can watch it on CBS. It's America's most watched network. It's the network of stars. Nooner tip. Um, By the way, if you want to check in about 1145 Eastern on CBS Sports HQ, GP and I will be previewing this matchup on HQ, and then GP will be on CBS Sports Network throughout Saturday and if you want to keep HQ open as a second, third screen option, I'm going to be on it like eight times with my man Chip Patterson while GP does CBS Sports Network. So if you want to check in with us, we'll be around all day long on a Lotus late on Saturday. Ah, this is a wonderful game here. I can't tell you the last time. I can't tell you. I could research it. I don't know when it would, you know, I don't know when that could be. But the last time Arkansas was involved in like a top five game on a Saturday inside the SEC where it was favored. I just, this is a big time test for both teams. Missouri, can it rally? Arkansas coming off uh, a no doubt about it road win against, you know, uh, down Auburn's crew. Um, I'm going to take... I'm going to take Arkansas in this spot, but I'm not confident. I knew you were going to pick this one. I just had a sense. CBS game, uh, Mizzou it's off America's this. most watched That's network. right. So I did think about this before the pod. I I just don't have a strong conviction the way I do foolishly with Texas covering <laughs> covering and winning. A, I'm not taking that back. I've already said it. Um, I'll take I'll take the Hogs. I'll, I'll take the Hogs minus four here in this spot. Nine and zero. By the way, the first SEC team since Kentucky like seven seasons ago to open its season 9-0 and in every single win 
has been by double digits. Those are, that's what the Hogs have done so far against, admittedly, a weak schedule. Do you have any recollection of Alex Dillard? Um, Dead-Eye Dillard? No, I don't. He was on the 1994 National Championship game. He yeah. once made 12... He once made 12 three-pointers in a game. He would pull from the snout. That's what I remember about Al Dillard is like, it was like Al Dillard will pull from the snout of the Razorback. And so I, I, I went and Googled Arkansas's court the other night and the snout now is just like a normal three-pointer. Like it's almost impossible to hit a three from the top of the key without being on the snout. Have they increased the size of the Razorback inside Bob Walton? That that pig's gotten big. Yeah, if you go back, it's funny you mentioned that because I don't know what led me. To, I must have been, again, it was when I did my program rankings. So there was a UNLV-Arkansas game in 1991, maybe it was. I remember that game, even though I can't remember anything else in my life it's absurd by the way um i i watched the game a lot i actually watched 70 percent of it in fact it was a cbs game on a saturday number one versus number two and nance is on the play-by-play um oh man the uh the host was um who was the guy oh my gosh i can't believe i'm blanking on this right now uh Pat O'Brien. Pat O'Brien hosts, and the CBS intro to this entire one versus two matchup is, it's legitimately like 15 minutes long. Like, they're they're coming live from Fayetteville, um, and it's uh, it was a huge, huge deal. Anyway, the court then with the hog, the snout, way back there. I mean, it was way, way back there. So, um, I knew the I'm name, lo- but I couldn't I, I, recall it. I'm looking era. at it, by the way, right now. Yeah. The, the snout used to be beyond NBA range. Yeah. Now the snout is almost to the three-point line. They have increased the size of that Razorback. That's a big hog. That's, that hog's been fed. Yeah. That's <laughs> a big hog. That hog That hog has grown up over the years. It's a huge hog. Huge I, hog. I like big things like that. Like big, like the big Cardinal That's at uh, the Yum Center. I love it. Amazing. Yes. Uh, amazing. The big, in uh, the big hog, the big, uh, the, 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 the Allen Fieldhouse. I know. I feel like some Kansas fans don't like the big Jayhawk, but I, I hear you. I hear you. The Duncan Cardinal is the best. The Louisville Twitter account put out like yesterday that it's the best court in college basketball. It really might be. The Duncan Cardinal, I, I, I they should never we've change ta- that. No, we've talked about that before. I, If you told me I could take – my favorite court in college basketball is the Louisville court. And my the court I hate the most is the Memphis court. It's awful. <laughs> the Memphis court looks like you went down the wrong pipe in Super Mario Brothers. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know no, it looks like, it like you're swimming um, – uh, 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 what was it called? A warp zone? Yes. Uh, look at you. <laughs> you would go – it looks like you went through a warp zone, and now you're on one of those swimming stages. That's what the Memphis court looks like. It looks like you're underwater. Terrible look. Brutal look, and uh, they need to change that as soon as possible. I can't believe they went with seconds. You want to, it's not – the issue isn't Penny Hardaway. It's the court affecting the entire program. I might be serious about that. All right, I'm taking Arkansas minus four. Who you got? Yeah, I'm going Arkansas minus four as well. They're 9-0 coming off. Uh, I think there's only seven schools that are undefeated in the country with at least one top 100 Kimpom win, and Arkansas is one of those seven. Moses Moody has been awesome. 6-6 guard. He's averaging 16.8 points, 5.7 rebounds, shooting above 40% um, from three. He was only a borderline like top 50 prospect in the class of 2020, but he's looking like a possible one-and-done first-round pick. He's one of the best freshmen in the country. One thing to note, Justin Smith was in a boot in the second half 
of the win over Auburn with what looked like you know some sort of ankle foot injury. He's the transfer from Indiana. He's fourth on the team in scoring, second in rebounding, fourth in minutes per game. So you know, we'll see about that. But when you combine the most recent thing I've seen from Arkansas is you know a nice win on the road. The most recent thing I've seen from Missouri is can't do anything against Tennessee. I'm with you on this one. I'll take Arkansas. I'll I'll lay the four points. Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern, number 20, Duke, at number 18, Florida State. Inside, the Malik J. Beasley Center. Duke, minus one. You can watch it on ESPN2. Duke is favored here. According to Ken Palm. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be the line when it comes out. Um, I guess, I'm guessing when the line, I'm going to say FSU is minus one. Now, the reason why uh, Duke is favored per Ken Palm here is FSU has lost two of its past three it dropped a game at home to UCF, and then it just lost and wasn't too competitive against Clemson. Uh, college hoops diehards will know that there have been uh, a number of uh, instances in the past where FSU has pulled off home wins against Duke. It's been uh, one of the calling cards of Leonard Hamilton's era. Um, hmm, This is a mystery game. I mean, Duke's got five games in. <sighs> It hasn't played since December 16th. GP. Uh, I'm going to take Florida State at home here. I'm, I'm going to take FSU to cover uh, and to just straight up win. I think it's going to be favored when the, when the line comes out. But maybe, maybe it won't be. Maybe it will be Duke. Who the hell knows? I don't know. But yeah, I'll take FSU. Yeah, this is Duke's first game in 17 days. Second game in 25 days. Um, I do think it's a mystery game. Like, you know, Florida State... We expect them to be good because they're usually good, and then they got, you know, uh, you know, they 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 beat Florida early on in a game that is now known for other reasons that got nothing to do with the actual result of the game. But you know, again, losses to Clemson and UCF. They started 17th at Ken Palm. They're now 34th, so they've gone the wrong direction. I don't know what to make of them right now, but I also don't know what to make of Duke right now. You know, Michigan State has lost to Wisconsin, Minnesota, Northwestern. Michigan State's only notable win is over Duke. So what does it say about Duke that Michigan State can't beat anybody except Duke? Like Duke's best win is over Notre Dame Dame team that's three and five right now. So I don't know that we'll learn a lot about either team here because whichever way it goes, if Florida state wins it, we can just say, well, Duke hadn't done anything all season. And if Duke wins it, we can say, Hey, Florida state, you know, they've been trending in the wrong direction for, you know, a, a little while now. I don't know that we'll be able to learn anything you know, grand about either team, regardless of the way this game goes. But I don't think we know anything about either team right now. Both real big question marks for, for different reasons. Um, I'll take Florida State at home, I guess. You know, like, I, again, I, I go back to this. What does it say about Duke that we now think Michigan State is at least in a place where it could miss the NCAA tournament, but Michigan State beat Duke? Michigan State, the only, you know, the only team that Michigan State has beaten of any quality is Duke. And so what does that say about Duke? I'm not sure. We'll find out over the coming weeks. I don't know that we'll find out Saturday, but I guess I'll take Leonard Hamilton at home. Sunday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, number 19 Northwestern at number 16 Michigan inside the Spike Albright Center, Michigan minus seven. You'll be able to watch that on the Big Ten Network. As I'm looking at it right now, um, we spent so much time talking about Michigan at the top. I could have probably replaced this game with something else, but it is Michigan minus seven, and it's two ranked teams in the Big Ten. Northwestern lost Tuesday night at Iowa, and that game 
if you had basically, you know, plopped someone down in front of that game and they had not watched one game this season, they were unaware of the rankings and all that, and you just watched that game play out, they would have said, okay, that makes sense. Iowa should be the best team in the Big Ten. Northwestern's not that good. And Iowa was able to keep Northwestern at bay for the majority of it, and it just wasn't all that competitive there. North, Northwestern just didn't, never really had an edge there, and Jordan Bohannon played the way that they hoped that he can play uh, consistently this season. Um, so the question is, will Northwestern, and we mentioned this earlier this week, obviously, but can Northwestern... You know, steal one of these next three to avoid being three and three after a nice three and zero start here. I'm going to say it loses this game. I'm going to give Chris Collins's team the benefit of the doubt, and I'm going to say that it's going to keep it close enough. I like Michigan or like five or six point victory here. I'll take the Wolverines to remain undefeated, and in doing so, start the week. You know, kind of as a talk is like, is this the best team in the Big Ten? I think it'll be even extended further. Northwestern though will put up a respectable performance. Boo booey! I got your back, and uh, it'll be a close loss for the Wildcats. Yeah, I'll take Michigan minus the seven. Um, we've again opened this podcast talking about the Wolverines. Uh, they're eight zero, one of only two teams in the country undefeated with four top 100 Kimpom wins. They have beaten the Maryland team that beat Wisconsin. They've beaten the Penn State team that beat the Virginia Tech team that beat Villanova. They've beaten the UCF team that beat Florida State. They won at Pinnacle Bank, which is basically impossible. So I'll take them to handle this minus seven. I will say you had a, uh, a an interesting item in court report about Northwestern's new five-out offense, which, again, I thought was educational. Um, it, was, it was way down there at the bottom of the court report, but I eventually got to it. And uh, I, I love that kind of stuff. And it just sort of showed that Northwestern is very much playing a different style of basketball this season. And last game notwithstanding, it, it's paid off so far. Uh, agreed. And shouts to Jordan Sperber, who does a wonderful job uh, putting that stuff together and making it very easy to understand. And he just does a wonderful job of quick turnarounds. And yes, Northwestern is... Chris Collins completely revamped the way that he is running his program and it has paid immediate dividends. The question will become, will he have the personnel and uh, will the scouting from the opposing really good teams in the Big Ten be able to uh, to overwhelm that or not? Okay, before we get to the fifth, just a heads up. You, Saturday, you need to block off time. And I mean like the entire day, if you can manage it because as, as we talk here, we're getting ready for the the national football semifinals and the CFP later on Friday. And then Saturday is a day for college hoops up and down. So games I'm not going to give you, but you need to be aware of here. Iowa is at Rutgers at two o'clock on ESPN two. Uh, genuinely intriguing game there. I don't think the loser really, you know, maybe it puts a ding on Iowa's chances of winning the Big Ten. I don't, I don't know. It's a road game here. But Rutgers, big opportunity to just a, a win there tells you that yes, this team can be like a top three team in the Big Ten and I'm definitely intrigued by that. Uh, West Virginia is playing at Oklahoma at 4 o'clock on ESPN2. That's obviously no Sheboy now and Oklahoma could really use a big win there. I think that's got a sneaky chance of being a pretty good and entertaining game. LSU against Florida is the 2 o'clock tip on CBS and uh, I would expect you'll see shots of Keontae Johnson on the sideline in his coaching role. It is a home game for Florida. LSU is a really, really good team, as mentioned on the top of the podcast. These are teams that are trying to keep up with Tennessee's pace there. Uh, LSU has a lot of talent. Florida, you know, this is going to be its its just its second game since that FSU uh, Keontae Johnson collapsed back on December 12th. Florida got a convincing win on Wednesday against Vanderbilt, and uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of good there. Um, elsewhere. 
Colorado, UCLA. GP won't be watching it because he'll be on CBS Sports Network. It's a Pac-12 Network tip at 8 o'clock. Can't Keep, see that. Can't see that one. UCLA did get a close shave win on New Year's Eve against Utah. McCronin, to the surprise of no one, is 6-2 and two right now. Going to probably get to 7-2, and two, although Colorado is really good. Keep an eye on that. Um, Creighton against Providence is a noon tip on Fox on Saturday. And I think Providence can be the surprise team in the league. It's going to have a really good chance to get another win. If it wins, it'll be 4-1 and one in the Big East. And I think that would be the kind of win where if PC did win... Uh, maybe we can squeeze them into the Sunday pod. We'll have to wait and see on that. That's another good one. Um, I told you, it's loaded here. Stanford at Oregon, 10 o'clock on ESPNU on Saturday. And then Purdue plays at Illinois at 6 o'clock on Big Ten Network. Keep an eye out for that. There's more, but like, you know, Kentucky plays at Mississippi State, 6 o'clock SEC Network. That's just like can Kentucky get the win. You know, that's just, they're, they're out of the race. But SEC play starts. How good are they going to be? And then uh, another good one at 2 o'clock on Saturday is the ACC Network Virginia Tech at Virginia. It's just loaded. There's even more, but I won't uh, I won't ramble on. My last pick is going to be a Sunday game. Wanted to go a little bit outside the realm. There are other Big Ten games to keep an eye on. Ohio State at Minnesota has a 5.30 tip on Sunday. And you've got Wisconsin at Penn State at noon on Big Ten Network on Sunday. But my fifth game is a 7 o'clock tip on Sunday night on ESPN2. And it is the only two undefeated teams in the American Athletic Conference. 6-0 SMU is going to host Houston, which sits at 7-1. My apologies. They lost to uh, South Beach Frank on, uh, on, on Tuesday night here. So SMU has a big-time chance, GP. This is the kind of win that I actually think the American, I think, would be bettered if SMU could hold serve and deliver a second loss to Houston here because right now, you mentioned the issues that Houston has had. You know, there's a lot of teams that have just taken on too many losses. I think the American is going to be hard-pressed to get a three bids this season. Not that it's impossible, but I think SMU needs to get this kind of win here. The line is Houston minus two. I am going to take Tim Jankovic's ponies at home to win this game straight up, get the win to get to 7-0. and I'll take uh, Houston um, as a road favorite, but... Um, you know, they did lose Tuesday at, at Tulsa. It couldn't make a shot. Caleb Mills is back now. He, you know, he's the preseason AAC player of the year, but he's still not in a rhythm. Like, I watched that game. Some of the rhythm stuff might just be Tulsa. Uh, you know, they, they, they made Memphis look awful uh, the week prior. So Tulsa, how about this? Sitting here right now with wins over the teams that were picked first and second in the AAC, that's Houston and Memphis. So uh, Frank Haith off to a, another a nice start, doing a nice job at Tulsa. But I, I'm still a believer in Houston. We talked about it on CBS Sports Network when I did Time to Shine with Evan Washburn. Like, it, it's a it's a one-point road loss to a team that, you know, can make you uncomfortable. It's not the biggest deal in the world. But I do think you're right. The AAC as a league would probably benefit more from SMU winning this game than from Houston winning this game because – if people want to ask questions about Houston, they can. I'm not going to. They're 10th at Ken Palm. Kelvin Sampson's the coach. They're going to be fine. They'll be there at the end. They're going to be in the NCAA tournament. The AAC right now needs other good teams. They don't need to worry about Houston being good. Houston's going to be good. You need other good teams. And you're talking about you don't know if they can be a three-bid league. I, I, it, they're more likely to be a one-bid league than a three-bid league. Mm. Um. That's who else question. is going? If it's not if it's not Houston and SMU, who else you is going? Need, you need like, so the only other undefeated team, and I say undefeated, they play two games. The only t- Here's what hurts, the league. I mean, SMU and Wichita State are the only teams that haven't lost a league game yet. They're both 2-0. and 
I mean, everyone else is two and one, one and one, or zero oh and two. That's not helping the cause. Your point is well taken. If Wichita State could hit a winning streak, I, I more likely one or three. I mean, you yeah. could always get something like like Houston gets an auto. Uh, know, yeah, like Houston's in, SMU's in, and then uh, UCF wins the auto bid. Like that. That's the. How about this? They will not get three teams in the NCAA tournament unless there's a surprise in the conference tournament. A bid thief. Yeah, I get you. Um, it's certainly heading that way. The only way you dodge it is three of these four, Houston, SMU, Wichita State, and Memphis, I think. If you want to say Tulsa because of its wins, fine. But, like, they have to separate from the rest of the league. Like, they got, they have to be so far ahead in the in the standings where because I think that's going to gonna play a part there but it does seem like this is going to be a two-bid year for the American and that's not good news yeah you know, I, it, but, but this is a, a big game and a big opportunity because SMU you know I think I said earlier seven teams in the country are undefeated with at least one top 100 Kimpom win um, SMU is one of those if you're interested by the way the others are um, Arkansas, Baylor, Gonzaga, Michigan, Tennessee, and Winthrop. Would you have guessed that? I would Winthrop? not have guessed Pat Kelsey's Eagles. I would not. Yeah, undefeated. With, they've got one top 100 Kimpom win. I think it's over Furman. So there's seven teams right now that are undefeated with at least one top 100 Kimpom win, and SMU is one of them. But still, SMU is off of most people's radar uh, because they uh, started the season unranked, and they don't have a big signature win. This would be a big signature win, and probably the type of win, if they can get it, that would have them, if not ranked in Monday's AP poll, certainly in the others receiving votes. It, it would it would launch them into a different conversation. I agree. One quick shout out before we get out of here. Um, got a number of tweets from people giving us their favorite uh, memories of the podcast in 2020. That was very fun because uh, I I I could recall most of them immediately, but there were a couple that I actually had completely forgotten about. One of them being a tweet we got from Michael Puck on Friday morning, which was, uh, he actually linked the exact podcast, was the incredible story as told by GP of Mike Davis going drink for drink with Bob Huggins and Andy Kennedy at a local <laughs> Applebee's bar after scouting an AAU game. In fact, the po- the detail he did not include in that was, uh, wasn't it Mike Davis drinking Shirley Temple's though? No, it was milkshakes. Milkshakes. That's what, that's, so, what <laughs> that's what made it so funny. It was is milkshakes. That it was, is that it was milkshakes. Like, as AK tells the story, um, the, you know, they're having drinks, and, and the waitress would come around after, you know, when the when the glasses get low and say, hey, you guys need another round? And they'd say, yeah. And then Mike Davis every time would say, yeah. And she would be like, another milkshake? Like, the dude did, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's an exaggeration, but, like, the, the, the story was like, he did, like, 11 milkshakes. <laughs> He did like 40,000 calories of milkshakes. So Incredible. I, I, I actually went back when uh, he tweeted that and I listened to it this morning and it, it it made me laugh again. Not because I'm hilarious telling some story. I'm just retelling a story that was told to me. But the story, independent of everything else, is 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 actually LOL funny. It was, uh, it was very funny and uh, got a few... Uh, a few top 10 lists which with a lot of good stuff in there um booth gotch uh the flying dutchman which i completely forgot about uh you know umass lowell elvis all the pinnacle bank stuff a lot of people love the mccronan stuff it's not funny he's the best ucla coach ever i don't understand why that's funny to people i just it's not funny it's a fact and i did want to say in the court hashtag say in the court hashtag nail can stay hashtag nail can stay there's no doubt about it i want to give one quick shout out uh 
to uh to a note we got because this this was a good reminder here um the twitter handle is at no carter and carter's with a k uh it's a gentleman who uh shouted out i think just a few people who who happen to host podcasts that have helped him along uh the way with this year he said happy new year dealing with covid patients had me go through depression at times throughout the year thanks for giving me a distraction from my daily job no thanks to you sir he, he passed along a photo of him in kind of full garb and um you know that was a, a much needed reminder here i know that uh back in april and may uh we happen to get a few messages from people that are, are working and have been working on the front lines there and you people truly are the absolute real heroes in all this you're still going through a ton uh, a ton of it right now and um and th- this isn't forgotten. So if us talking hoops genuinely helps you for 45 minutes to an hour, three times a week, we are more than happy, but we cannot repay you with our gratitude here. And that was uh, that was a wonderful, wonderful tweet to wake up to on January uh, January 1 here. He sent it late after, uh, after the clock struck midnight there. And I wanted just to send my... Um to send my thanks to the six foot three Doctor MD, as he calls himself, that was a, that was a really great note to see. Yeah, we will forever hate 2020, but forever be appreciative of what you guys did in in 2020, and and looking forward to to this year. Um, as Adam Duritz tweeted uh, at, at midnight or late on a Thursday night, uh, maybe this year will be better than the last. But you ask me how I spent the new year. This is the way my mind works. So Adam tweeted that, and I got retweeted a bunch. I retweeted it. It's obviously a a, a famous uh, line from Long December. And next thing you know, it's one in the morning, and I'm watching Counting Crows performances <laughs> on YouTube. It's just it, like I I get caught in these YouTube things late at night, man. When yeah. when everybody's asleep, and like it happened to me twice last night. Uh, that so Adam tweets that, and next thing you know, I'm watching you know live performances of long December and other counting crows things. And then my wife, did you know Ryan Adams even had a new album? out? Uh, I did not know that. No, I thought that that was coming soon maybe, but okay. So my wife, the other day, she was like, "Uh, do you like Ryan Adams new album? And I'm like, I haven't listened to it. She was like, Oh, so you hate it. Do you hate him now? And I'm like, I just, I I don't know how I feel about him personally, but I just didn't even, I didn't, I was, it was totally off my radar. And, um, so I like sitting here last night. I'm like, ah, maybe I'll check that out. For people who don't know, he's a really famous songwriter who a couple of years ago was sort of caught up in a Me Too thing. He was accused by several women of um, sexual misconduct and inappropriate advances and more. And so uh, I start, you know, I Google that because I wanted to read some reviews of it first. Like, what do people think about it? And there's almost nothing out there. It's like it's been, the album has been ignored Mm. almost like there's not a whole lot of stuff written about it. But then I, I started reading, I went back and read the old New York times story about him. And it was like a a, allegations from Phoebe Bridgers. So next thing you know, I'm watching interviews with Phoebe Bridgers and Connor Oberst. It was like, it was like, I was like, I, what am I doing? I just two oh five in the morning. I got to go to bed. (laughs) I mean, it really was. It was like, what am I doing? Why am I watching? Phoebe Bridgers interviews at, at, at 1 15 in the morning so that's why I was up late at night but but like Adam said uh maybe this year will be better than the last shouts to Devin Downey shouts to Chester South Carolina shouts to Terry MF and Teagle legend shouts to Larnell thank you guys once again for listening to the Ion College Basketball Podcast in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime I never seen one like this Norlander I never seen one like this and so uh it's 2020 and it is important to note the calendar flipped to 2021 
um, the pandemic is not over. We are still very much in, a, in, in the midst of this thing. People are dying every day. People are getting sick every day, hospitalized every day. Um, but hopefully when we talk on January 1st, 2022, all of this will be behind us. The dumbest, dumbest pandemic of my life will be completely in the rearview mirror. If you haven't subscribed yet, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. And let me say uh, thank you guys for the reviews that you've been leaving. The numbers are going up every single day. Really nice things. We'll get to a few of them on Sunday night, but I smile every time I see it. So thank you guys so much. And like I said, we'll talk to you again on Sunday. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.